So by now you've seen the video of George Floyd, the black man on the Minneapolis street face down, who was in police custody and had an officer decide that those would just be his last moments on this earth and put a knee in the back of this man's neck. And we watched George literally beg and plead for his life. We saw George call out for his mother, who was nowhere nearby, by the way. And we saw George squeeze out the words, I can't breathe, which should ring very familiar to anyone who has been paying attention to these kinds of situations that we've been dealing with in this country for 400 years or so. And one of the most disturbing things personally about taking in that video and watching George take his last painful breaths is that the video itself did not even phase me. You know, I, I saw it on Twitter or on Reddit and I was upset and I knew it was horrible, but I honestly just went on to the next thing. Even though I knew that that should be the next big topic in social justice that we discuss. There was a part of me that knew that nothing would happen to the officer. And, and, and that's scary to me. And I hope I'm not giving up because I hope to be a father one day. And if my children look a little bit more like me than their mother, they will face some issues that some parents who don't look like me will come into. And I hope for their sake that we can change some of this. And especially change the system that existed for that officer to feel so protected with a a cell phone camera in his face and witnessing exactly what he was doing to George for nine minutes. He knew that there was a chance that he can get away with all of this and and he would not be prosecuted. He wouldn't be sent to jail. He may not even be arrested. And that's that's terrifying. And it's hard because my parents grew up in an era that was much different than mine. And my, my father reminded me uh, of the times when he was looking for one of our first childhood homes. And when he went to purchase how in New Haven, Connecticut, he faced some troubles when it came to finding a home loan and moving into the neighborhood that he desired. He had the money, but he knew and everyone else knew that black people in New Haven had a harder time getting home loans just because they weren't supposed to be in the nice neighborhoods. My mother was born in Snow Hill, North Carolina in 1960. And we're talking about the tail end of the Jim Crow movement. So there, we're talking the Jim Crow era where the marriage that I, I, I'm currently moving towards would not have even been legal in Maryland during the Jim Crow era. And nurses who were white weren't allowed to take care of black patients this was not that long ago. My mother was alive during this period. My parents both were. And it's terrifying because here we are all this time later and, and we're just circling and doing the same things and doing this, the same protest and the same riot and have the same people who have the same opinions on it who aren't actually doing anything to change it because eventually something else comes along and takes our attention away. And then what? We wait for the next person to die. We wait for Ahmaud Arbery or or we wait for another Trayvon or, or, or Mike Brown or whoever else it may be. Pray to God it's not Blair Thomas 
or anyone that I love. And we actually, Marissa and I just had a conversation the other day about how there are going to be some conversations that are easier for me to have with our children because I grew up black in the suburbs and she was asking me, what's the best way for her to address that? You know, and I said, the best way for you to talk with our sons and daughters in the future about these issues is, is to listen to people like me because I may not have a a degree in in social justice and and a, a PhD in racial inequalities or whatever you want to to discuss. But I have the utmost education in growing up in the suburbs. And if you listen to me and the things that I deal with, even here in my hometown, it'll give you the better perspective on how to deal with all of this in the future. And it, it, it applies to the same school of me listening to my future wife about how I should speak to our daughters, Lord willing, about issues that they will face that I don't as a man. Because when I have to have a conversation with my daughter, I'm going to go to her and I'm going to listen to what she has to say about being a woman in this era. And I will apply that when I when I speak to her, Lord willing, someday. And if you're watching this, and you're not a person of color, you can be an advocate and you can be a part of this. And you are no longer allowed to say that this doesn't affect me, because if you know me and you, you love me and you and I are friends or, or we've come into contact, then now you have a connection to this. You know someone, everyone knows someone, and it is our duty as American citizens to go ahead and find a way to end all of this. And if you're wondering how you can be an advocate, It involves listening. And if we aren't willing to listen to those who are dealing with these issues and are so quick to take to Facebook and and be angry at people who are rioting and and just look at statistics of deaths in Chicago. Then we're, we're doomed to repeat this again the next time there's a George Floyd who is face down on the pavement in some city somewhere. And I wanted to talk a little bit about the the Ahmaud Arbery situation also. He was the man in Georgia who was jogging through his neighborhood and had two non-police officers approach him and end his life in broad daylight because he looked suspicious or whatever the heck they said. And I see situations like that and I just wonder, dang it, Will there be a time when I'm jogging through my neighborhood or the neighborhood that I grew up in and someone looks out their window and says, I don't think he I don't think he belongs here or there's no way he lives here. And then I'm dealing with a situation where. I'm looked at differently just because I'm not supposed to be there, you know. Or a situation like Amy Cooper's in New York City. Now, she was the white woman who had confronted a man named Christian Cooper. And Christian was the bird watcher. He's a black man. And Amy did not have her dogs leashed in this park. And then you're supposed to. That's one of the laws of this park. And Christian approached her and said, hey, ma'am, you got to put your dog on a leash here. I'm trying to bird watch and enjoy myself. And that's also just one of the rules. And Amy decides 
I've had enough of this. I'm going to to call the police and I'm going to wield this weapon of your fear of the police against you. And she knew full on what she was doing. And that's the scary part, too, is that there are people who are fully aware of how terrified I am of being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong officer. And and brandish that as a way to control him and to control the entire situation because she knew she was safe. And that perhaps is the scariest of all, knowing about this problem that we're having. And instead of being on the right side of history, going ahead and finding a way to use that to control a situation, instead of just leashing your gosh darn dog in a park that's public, and that's the rule. I need to see more situations like the one in Flint, Michigan, where the sheriff, Chris Swanson, instructed his team and his force to go out and, and greet these protesters face to face, have conversations with them, show solidarity with them. And there is a great video of Chris Swanson of the, the Flint, Michigan Police Department being urged to walk with us, walk with us and join this protest and walk down the street and be locked in with these protesters instead of being on the other side with riot shields, beating them down. And, and Chris decides, yeah, come on, let's go. I'll show you that I, I, I love you and I'm going to protect you. I'm not here to oppress you. I need to see more situations like that. I need to see more situations like the one in the, the city that I was born in, New Haven, Connecticut, where the New Haven Police Department decided to to retake their oath and, and swear again that they would protect and serve as opposed to to bully and vilify. And they did so on the steps of their police department and they showed their community that we will be better than this. That guy, that monster in Minneapolis shouldn't have a badge anymore. We're not about that. And I think that's one thing we need to see more of. Like when as a broadcaster, some schmuck decides that they are going to go ahead and do something irresponsible behind a microphone. I'm going to be the first person to come forward and say that person doesn't deserve the privilege of doing this anymore. They're irresponsible. They shouldn't do this. And I need more of that. I, I need more of the good officers. And I'm talking to the officers that I know personally. I'm talking to Jeff Gaylor of Harford County Sheriff's Department. I'm talking to, to Scott Adams of the Cecil County Sheriff's Department. Former officers Jerry Scarborough of Maryland State Police. I'm talking to Har- uh, Harford County SWAT team member and leader Tommy Worley. I'm talking to my friends, my former roommate Dan McElhenney, his father who's also a noted police person talking to to Matt Bittner. These are people that I know personally. I need everyone to be better. DJ Radvidge of the Bel Air Police Department. I need everyone to be better. And I need you to lock in with me and say, we aren't going to tolerate that as a good cop, as an officer who, who has sworn in to protect and serve. I cannot stand for what that man did. I don't know what we need to do. 
Do we need to have a conversation? Do 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 I need to go to the the police department and and, and put forth some kind of of effort into just being heard? Because everyone says that oh that's just in some city somewhere and it can never happen here. But the fact is, I'm terrified of raising my kids here because I don't feel like we as a whole are heard and it's not just about facebook posts and it's not just about some meme you found that that says that this is the proper way to do it or or i need these people to win or i stand on this side it's not what it's about it's about change i I need to see reform when it comes to to uses of force i need to see change when it comes to uh, uh just protecting and loving and listening to those who who may offend or or make some people out there scared for some reason just because of the way they look listen to them and find a way to to carry on that legacy of great police work and and move forward in a way that allows people who look like me to to live in the towns that I live and go back to where I grew up and say, I feel safe here. Because honestly, if I were to go outside wearing this hoodie like Trayvon Martin and go jog around this neighborhood, I'd make a lot of people nervous. And that's awful. And now we're in the part of this where there are demonstrations and there are riots And there are people escalating things to another level. And it's heartbreaking to watch stores being taken advantage of people being hurt, people being shot with non-lethal weapons, tear gas. And this is America. And there are so many people now who will say the words, this isn't the way to get your message across. That's not how you can be heard as a society. If the black community wants to be heard and respected, they need to do this peacefully. Well, damn it, we tried that. And it seems like every time a black man wants to stand up and protect themselves and say we matter in some way, shape or form, whether it's on a football field Whether it's behind a podium somewhere, it seems like there's always someone saying this is not the proper way. Whether it is a non-violent, non-aggressive form of protest or one that is, is peaceful, guess what? Protests are not meant to be comfortable for the oppressor. And perhaps if you're angry that there are people who are standing up and saying, I matter, maybe you are the person that those protests are targeted towards. And we've tried everything. And it wasn't okay before because when when you, when you took a knee on a football field, you're a son of a bee. Okay, well then, what do you want us to do? Because it doesn't seem like we're being heard, does it? And I want to end with with a quote from Martin Luther King, and this is a quote from 1960. 
And Dr. King had these words to say. And I quote, let me say, as I've always said, and will always continue to say, that riots are socially destructive and self-defeating. But in the final analysis, a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice, equality and humanity. And so, in a real sense, our nation's summers of riots are caused by our nation's winters of delay. And as long as America postpones justice, we stand in the position of having these recurrences of violence and riots over and over again. End quote. So I ask you, if you're watching this and you're wondering why I'm upset, I want you to to see that store and that's being looted, that target in Minneapolis and be angry that it's being looted. But also be just as angry that there was a man who had his life looted on the sidewalk in Minneapolis. And I need you to stand up for me. I need you to stand up for my family, my nephews, my future sons and daughters, my brother, my father, my uncles, my cousins. And one, pray that I don't we don't become the next hashtags and the next cause of some some protest and also to to push the people that you care about to drive out hate. And I think the only way to drive out hate isn't just by saying, oh, I'm not a racist. I'm not racist. I, I love you know, that's fine. It's 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 not it's not OK to just not be a racist. I need you to be vehemently and vocally against racism. And there is a distinct difference. And that means if there is a politician who is stroking this fear and pushing this agenda that if you if you protest in any way, shape or form, then you are a thug. And if there's someone out there who's pushing this this narrative that I'm dangerous just because I look the way that I look. You need to do what you can to push them out, because I can't lock in an arm in solidarity like Chris Swanson did in in Flint if you can put up with some small bit of the racism and the the hatred that goes into people like that officer in Minneapolis who took George's life then I'll be the first one to admit, maybe I could be better. Maybe I should be knocking on doors. Maybe, maybe I can go out and, and set the better example, but dang it. I'm at the point where I don't know what else to do. So thank you. I love you. Be safe. Be better. Let's love one another. And let's listen to one another. 